Good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? Great. It's good to see y'all. Welcome in. Uh, we have some exciting songs planned for us today that we're really excited about. Uh, before we sing together, can we all stand and maybe shake a hand, greet somebody around you, and then we're going to sing together.
above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of man, you were here before the world began. Well, I'm forgiven. Because you were forsaken And I'm accepted You were condemned Sing it I'm alive and well Your spirit is within me Because you died and rose again My healer, my blessing, my redeemer, 
my hands, my saving grace. One 
You may be seated. We have one more song that we're going to sing together before Pastor Jonathan comes and shares the message with us today. Uh, more than anything, I want us to I want us to listen to the lyrics of this song. Uh, Jesus said that in this in this world that you will have trouble. And we experience trouble every day, don't we? We we struggle. Uh, we face difficult circumstances and situations every single day. But there's going to come a day when we are going to cross over into eternity. And for those of us who are believers in Jesus, that day for us looks like us crossing over into heaven. And on that day, we will experience no more struggle. There's going to be no more pain. There's going to be no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more grief, no more sickness, no more cancer, no more depression, no more anxiety and worry, but it's going to be perfect. And we will literally stand in front of Jesus every question will be answered. We will know that we are good enough. We will know that we are fully and truly loved. But today we struggle. Today we have hurts and pain. But our hope this morning is the fact that that day is coming where all of that will just melt away and we're going to stand before our Savior. Uh, so this morning, I just want to encourage you with this song. Uh, this song has been such an encouragement to me this week. Uh, just to be reminded that the struggles of today, they're only a season. They're not forever. everything new Jesus one day you will bind every wound the former things shall all pass away no more tears one day you'll make sense of it all Jesus one day every question resolved and 
Every anxious thought left behind No more fear When we all get to heaven What a day of rejoicing that will be
ask them just to keep playing for a moment. There's a, there's a heaviness in this room right now. And there's some people in this room and you're hurting. And I feel like what God wants you to know this morning is that there's hope. Don't quit. Don't give up. There's hope. And I also think he wants you to know today that your deal is a big deal to him. And so what I, what I want us to do, Dylan, if you could just do part of that song again or something, whatever you need to do. Um, and I don't, I don't know what your thing is this morning. Like what, what you brought in here, what's burdening you. But there's, there's something significant about confessing it. There's something significant about joining with other people in a moment that makes you remember tomorrow where you left your problem today. And so we're going to do part of that or all of that or whatever Dylan wants to do. What I want you to do this morning is you can sit, you can stand, whatever it takes for you. You can come up here and pray. Uh, David and I will be, will be happy to stand here if you want us to pray for you. But I want you to confess whatever it is on your mind. And I want you to tell God because your deal is a big deal to him. And you have hope. There is hope. This is a season. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But this is a season there is hopes. So whatever you need to do during these next few minutes, feel free to do it. Don't miss this moment. That's the important thing. Don't miss this moment. One day you'll make everything new. Jesus, one day you will bind every wound. The former things shall all pass away. of it all Jesus one day every question resolved every anxious thought left behind no more fear when we all get to Rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout in the victory. One day we will see face to face Jesus. Is there a greater vision of grace? shall be changed on that day one day we'll be free free indeed 
And so I told Noah and his family that if it was okay, I would bring Noah up here and we're going to join together and we're going to believe God this morning that that tumor is going to be gone. Uh, yeah. Noah's mom told me that while he was in the hospital, he was so busy praying for everybody else that he really didn't, uh, didn't pray for himself. See, what we know to be true is that, uh, that what Dylan said is real. One day we will all see Jesus face to face. There will be no brain tumors there. None. They'll be gone. But while we're here, it's a fight. And so this morning, uh, we're going to fight with Noah, if that's okay with you. So uh, we're going to pray together. And if we can just put our hands on uh, Noah if any of you, I, don't, I know y'all are playing, so I don't know who's playing what, but if anybody can come down, that would be awesome. And uh, this morning, we're going to lift Noah up. We all just join me. What I mean when I say join me in praying is just that as I pray, you're agreeing with me in your heart. You're praying as I'm praying. And uh, one of those signs that I like is for us just to reach out our hands towards the person, just to say, God, we are, we are believing today for Noah. So if you don't mind, if you're comfortable with that, just reach out your hand uh, this way. And where, where's the tumor? All right. All right. Let's all put our hands right there. Let's pray together. God, it is true that one day we'll be with you and it won't matter anymore. while you allow us to be here, every day is a fight. For some of us, it's a fight with depression and anxiousness. For some of us, it's alcohol. And for some of us, it's a tumor that, that we didn't earn and we don't deserve. But one day the questions will be answered. God, this morning, I lift Noah and his family up to you. Noah is so brave. He's standing on this stage in front of a bunch of people he doesn't even know. And he's brave because he believes that you can remove it. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, we declare that this brain tumor be removed. And uh, Satan, you have no authority, zero authority over Noah and his family. You have no authority over his brain. And so in this moment, Satan, you are defeated. You are a loser. Jesus, we declare that you're the victor today. You are in charge. God will trust you with your plan. If your answer is no, we will learn to accept it. But right now we declare your answer to be yes. We ask you to remove this tumor right now. In Jesus' name. you guys give my man Noah a hand this morning? Thank you, Noah. This is Pastor Jonathan. He'll walk you off, okay? He'll show you where to go. You guys can take a seat. And Pastor Jonathan, in just a minute, is going to continue to talk about uh, to talk about struggle and overcoming struggle and how for some of us, a struggle is a brain tumor. And for some of us, struggle is just getting up in the morning and going to work. It doesn't matter the struggle. The struggle's a struggle. 
God promises that he'll be with us no matter what. Uh, I'm going to ask you to do something. Will you just make a note somewhere, write it down, put it in your phone? Will, can we just be intentional to pray for Noah and his family over the next month? Like, let's just pray for him daily, over and over, every time he comes to your mind. And uh, his family, wherever you guys are in this room at this point, if you would just... Uh, Email us, keep us updated so that we can let the church know uh, as you guys head back home to Kentucky. Let us know. Um, let us know what's going on so that we can continue to pray. Uh, this morning, uh, we are going to continue worshiping together, and we're going to do that by receiving an offering. Uh, on your chair this morning are different ways that you can give to the ministry of this church. And uh, there's four different ways. There's a kiosk, there's texting, there's the bucket, there's giving online. All those ways are listed on that card. So make sure you snag one of those, take it home with you, put it on the refrigerator so you have it. Uh, but mostly this morning, I want to let you know about a brand new offering we start collecting today. It's called 25 Days of Christmas Cheer. It's our Christmas offering uh, starting this Saturday. Crazy, but this Saturday is uh, December 1st. And we're going to go out into our community and just love people. I'm already getting emails from folks who are struggling and could use some help. The 25 days offering is random. We'll go uh, buy tires for folks who are just at the tire store getting new tires on their car. We'll go to Walmart and pay off some layaways, all different kinds of things around the community. If you wanna give to that, uh, all you have to do is actually text the word Christmas and any amount that you wanna give to the number that'll be on the screen in just a minute. Uh, you can also give on the kiosk in the lobby. Just make sure you touch that Christmas button so we'll know where it goes. Or one of the best ways you can do it is by placing it in this envelope. Those are located at the doors where you came in this morning. You may have gotten one on your way in. Just place your gift in there. What happens is literally every dollar that you place in this envelope or that you text to the word Christmas or give on the kiosk to the Christmas offering, every dollar goes to make a difference in someone else. Uh, what I actually do is take the entire offering each week, divide it by seven, and uh, we go out and over seven days of the week, we give that money out and then the next week we do it all over again. So that's basically how that works. So we'd love for you to give and be a part of that. Uh, this morning, if you're on the left of the road, you can uh, grab that bucket, just pass it to your right. We'll receive the offering this morning. to preach a sermon. Um, Noah, his mom, so the doctors actually asked him in the hospital, said he's praying a lot. And uh, they said, Is he, he's been praying for himself. And they said, no, he's been praying in the boy in the bed beside him. 
And uh, for some of you this morning, this is your first time, or maybe you don't go to church, or um, maybe you're trying to figure out uh, what's going on. Um, it's cool. Thank you for letting us have that time. Um, we are not um, a church that um, pretends. Um, we are a church that seizes, seizes a moment. And um, for those of us that uh, stand up here, sometimes the toughest part is to know um, when it's the right moment. And um, thank, you for, thank you for bearing with us. Uh, I do have a sermon, and I think some of this is going to, some of my message, and this isn't an accident, is going to explain or help explain a little bit of what we just saw and what we failed and um, hopefully can kind of set some things straight in your heart and in your mind uh, that maybe you've been experiencing. Um, I always struggle um, talking about my struggles. Um, not because if, if, if uh, oh, I thought y'all were coming back. I was like, <laughs> I was like, am I doing that bad? Okay. <laughs> They're like, I, was, I, I contemplated just letting y'all do all that again. I'm like, maybe that's what we, y'all wanted to do too. Um, uh, but what was I saying? I don't remember. But I find it hard to, 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 to share um, my struggles. But over the next few moments, um, I just want to kind of share something I've gone through personally um, with the idea that uh, I'm not the only one that's struggling. And I know that some of you are struggling right now because you're hot. Uh, just keep fanning. Uh, we're working on it. Uh, the first service at the beginning, it was cold. And so maybe um, we overcompensated. But anyway, um, but I always struggle talking about my struggles um, because I know that at the end of the day, I haven't made, right? Um, at the end of the day, I never worry if I'm going to have a meal tonight, obviously. Um, y'all get that? Okay. Uh, I never, I'm never concerned that I'm going to freeze to death or sweat to death. And some of you are like, I'm kind of concerned. But so I struggle, I, I struggle to share my struggles, but about three months ago, my wife, um, very smart lady, smarter than I am. I know, it's not that hard. But she's smarter than I am, walked into work, no um, inclination this would happen, no um, calling into the office beforehand, nothing but compliments about her work. But she walked into work one Thursday about three months ago, and they sat her down and said, today's your last day of employment here. We're ending your employment. And someone who, like I said, is way smarter than I am and um, very well educated, very hard worker, takes a lot of pride in what she does. It was stunning. So, of course, she calls me uh, when it happens, and uh, I'm actually standing in the lobby out there by the information desk, propped up on the information desk. And her words to me are, Jonathan, I've always kind of had this idea that, that I wasn't good enough. Like, I've always struggled with that, but I've never had somebody tell it to my face until today. So, of course, as, as a husband, that's jarring and she worked at the same school that my little boy goes to. and So for the next couple of months, he would struggle with this separation thing. So instead of seeing her in the hallway every day, he saw she would drop him off in the morning and pick him up in the afternoon, and he never saw her throughout the day. And so he would make comments like, Mommy, don't leave me. Uh, Mommy, are you about to leave me? Things like that, telling her all the time, I love you, Mommy, I love you, Mommy, almost like he's trying to, trying to convince her of something. And so we've, we've dealt with that. He, he stayed sick uh, about half the time over the course of, of those two months. Uh, a couple, few weeks ago, before the time change, I was backing my truck out of my driveway, 
and um, didn't notice that somebody had parked across the street behind my driveway. And so I get in, I'm on my way to church, I throw it in reverse, not even looking and, until I hear metal. And I backed over a Mazda 6. Um, and so some of us, I think all of us, we have seasons of life like that where we do struggle. And you wonder in those seasons, like, where is God? Like, is he asleep? Um, what is he doing? And you start, you begin to question uh, his plan. You begin to begin to bargain with God. God, if you'll just do this, like I have the answer. Like God, this is the job, right? I mean, like now, now it all makes sense. You close that door so that you could give her this job and then that job doesn't happen. And so then you're back to the drawing board. And so you begin to bargain with God. God, I'll go to church every week for the rest of my life if you'll just do this. And you begin to play this out and you begin to question God and you begin to try to plan it out and plot it out for God. And really what you want is like, you just wanna be picked up out of the struggle and placed onto safe ground. You just really want like to go from the struggle to the blessing in 0.2 seconds and you just want out, don't you? Like when the tough time comes, when the struggle comes, like you just want, you just want out. The problem is, is that there's so much within the struggle that if God just takes us out, we'll miss what worship really means, but we'll also miss what he's really after. This morning, for the next few minutes, and I'm going to try to go quick because I know that there's people in the kids' building and there's, they're, they're, they're watching your kids and they're probably already getting on their nerves. And so I'm going to try to, I'm going to, try to hurry, and I know that you're, you're warm and you're ready to get out, but um, I'm going to try to hurry. But this is, this is what I want to talk to you for the next few moments about from this subject. Consider the source. Consider the source. And I'm just going to go ahead and kind of give it away that oftentimes in the struggle, we want the supply but we don't want to battle and we don't want to get to know the source. So in other words, when the struggle comes, we want what God can give. And oftentimes, if we were honest, we would even take it without him. The problem is, is that God is a God of relationship because he knows the best place for you to be is right beside him. And so he's orchestrating our lives to get to that point where we can worship him because he is the source of all things good. And he's the source of not what we want, but what we need. Consider the source. There's a story in the Old Testament that I think can shed some light on it. Just to kind of set it up, it's a story about uh, the Israelites, God's chosen people. God created people in perfect relationship with him, Adam and Eve. They were in a garden. They were naked. Everything was good. And so, okay. Some of you are like, don't want none of that. Some of you are looking at, no, I'm just kidding. All right, so they were in the garden, they were naked, everything was perfect, they were in perfect relationship with each other, they were in perfect relationship with God. The tempter came and they sinned and they did what God told them not to do and so it caused this, this gap between God and his creation and so for the, the time after that, God is constantly trying to restore these people back to him. Finally, he calls out to a man named Abraham and he says, I'm gonna make you the father of many nations. You are gonna be the father of my people, the Israelites. I want some relationship with people and so I'm gonna make this thing right with you. And so they begin to try to get it together. The Israelites are in Egypt and they begin to, 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 to reproduce like bunnies and Pharaoh, the, 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 the ruler of the time, notices this and he's like, these Israelites, they're, they're, they're getting to be a bigger people group than us Egyptians. So they're gonna like overthrow us if we don't do something. And so Pharaoh uh, puts them in slavery in Egypt. He, at one point, he, he kills every firstborn son so the population doesn't continue to grow or he tries to. 
he, he tells him you've got to make more bricks and more bricks and more bricks, but I'm going to give you less and less and less supply. He's beating them and he, because he's jealous. And he doesn't want the Israelites to outnumber the Egyptians. Well, God says, listen, Israelites, you are my people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you out of this situation. I'm going to get you out of it. I'm going to take you to a place called the promised land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, which would represent God's blessing, the fullness of his blessing. I'm going to take you and I'm going to put you in this land. Well, God makes some things happen, does some things to Pharaoh, puts some plagues on them. They have some frogs. They have some locusts. They, all kind of crazy stuff happens. And finally, Pharaoh's like, okay, you go. Y'all go do your promised land thing. I can't take this anymore. And so God gets them out of slavery. They're on their way to the promised land, a journey that was supposed to take 11 days. And due to their disobedience, ends up taking somewhere around 40 years Exodus 16, where we pick up this story, they've been in this wandering stage for a couple of months, okay? A couple of months, it was supposed to be like an 11-ish day trip is what most biblical scholars, and that's where we're gonna, we're gonna pick up the story because the Israelites come to their leader, Moses, one day, and this is what it says in Exodus 16, verse two. It says, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve the entire assembly to death. When we forget our past, we'll quickly lose perspective of our present. When we forget our past, we'll quickly lose perspective of our present. So what's happened here is the Israelites are realizing that their supplies, their food are running low, is running a little low. They're, they're realizing that the supply in front of them, what they can see and what they can physically touch and what they can eat and what's gonna make them feel like they're full, they realize it's getting low. And so they're like, I wanna go back to where I was because they're forgetting how terrible it really was. Some of you this morning, you're in a place and it's tough, but if you don't look back at where God has been in your life, you're gonna lose sight of how good you really have it now. Because if you look back, his hand has moved some stuff in your life. His hand has healed some people. His hand has blessed you. His hand has ended some relationships. His hand has began some relationships. His hand has repaired some relationships. His hand has provided for you. His hand has comforted for you. If you look in your past, you'll see that God's hand has provided for you, but you'll also see that his grace has kept you from, things, from some things, right? Like, you should. Some of you this morning, you should be done. Like you were in that car accident, it should be over. You were in that relationship, it should be over. You were given that diagnosis, it should be over. You're, you did that to your kids, it should be over. If we look back at our past, we can keep perspective of our present because we can see the hand of God and we can see the grace of God through our life. The problem is, is oftentimes when we look at the past, we look at it because we want to change it rather than looking at it because we want to learn from it. So some of you, when you look at your past, you, you become a person of regret and bitterness because you're looking at it through the wrong lens. But our past is confirmation that God has been working. Even if you're not a believer in the room this morning, I think if you look back at your past, you would have to say that there's some things in your life that you didn't deserve. And there's some things that haven't happened that you did deserve. When we forget our past, we'll quickly lose perspective of our present. God has you here for a reason. In other words, hear me, your season 
is for a reason. Like where you are right now, if you rush out of this spot and God doesn't do what he wants to do and he doesn't reveal himself to you the way he wants to reveal himself to you, you're gonna miss out. If he, like if he always rescued you immediately when the issue came up, you would never get to see him as provider. These Israelites, they're about to see him as provider, but if they never got to a place where the supplies were low, they would have never seen him as the source of provision. Some of you this morning, if God rescued you from where you were, he's about to reveal something to you and you're about to see him as healer and the only reason he, thing that he can heal is if there's sickness in the first place. And so if you rush this season and you just want out of it, you're going to miss what God has for you in it. Wow, I feel like I'm doing better than y'all are responding. Your season is, is for a reason. You're here for a reason. I read one commentator. He said it didn't seem like they had seen anyone starve at this point. And they still have some cattle and some animals still available. All they're doing at this point is they're anticipating starvation because the supplies are running low. Meanwhile, they're ignoring the source that got them out of Egypt in the first place. Because all they can see is what's in front of them. So God speaks to Moses and Aaron, the leaders, and they relay what's said. In verse six, it says, so Moses and Aaron said to the Israelites, in the evening, you will know that it was the Lord. You will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. The blessing of God is always more about the source than the supply. The blessing of God is always more about the source than the supply. Notice how they are focused on the supply, right? Like they're focused. Our food is running low. Our supplies are running low. We're gonna starve to death. We wanna go back to that terrible ruler Pharaoh and live in Egypt and get, get beaten just for who we are. They are to the place where they see the supplies getting low. And what Moses is telling them is he's saying, God is about to do something, not just provide you some supply, but so that you can see the source of it in the first place. God always works to reveal himself, not just provide for you. Now, he'll provide, but it's bigger than that. There's a higher purpose than that. It's about him being the source. That's why we can pray for Noah, and we can say, God, take this tumor away. God, take it away, because in the end, we trust the source over what we're asking him to supply. When our lives become focused on just what we see and we forget who God is, we're right where Satan wants us. Some of you, you're looking at the supply or you're looking at your situation and it seems so bleak. As a matter of fact, there's somebody in here this morning and your situation is so bleak, you're about to give up on God. My challenge to you would be, just wait him out. Just hold on. Because it could be this very thing that God's about to do in your life that reveals himself to you in a way that changes your life forever. And if the supply wasn't lacking, you couldn't see the source. The quickest way to misinterpret who God is is to misinterpret what he wants. In other words, he wants to provide for you. Some of you, you think that all God wants is like your, your words or he wants your money or he wants your time or he wants you to come to church or he wants you to quit smoking or he wants you to quit drinking. The, the, the best way to misinterpret who he is is to misinterpret what he wants because he doesn't want that stuff. What he wants is you. 
What he wants is relationship with you because not just out of selfishness. God isn't just a God sitting up there on a throne with, 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 with his crown and throwing, th- throwing sticks at people. He wants it because he knows it's the best place for you to be. He cares. The blessing of God is always more about the supply or the source than the supply. So Moses and Aaron continue in verse 7. It says, in the morning... You will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. That word glory means the sheer weight, the weight of his divine presence, the fullness, the weight, the boom, the weight of who God is. That's what the word glory means. It's it's, it's to see God in all of his fullness. Think big, think heavy, but think light at the same time. That's the glory. And so what they're saying is they're saying, you're about to see the glory of the Lord. You're not just going to see the supply, but you're going to see the source in its fullness because you are in a place where the supply seems low. And you would never get to that place if the supply was plentiful. I love that it says, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Some of you, this is going to be freeing. God hears your gratitude, but he also hears your grumbling. Because I think for a lot of us, we've kind of had this idea that, like, I don't, I don't want to tell God how I really feel because I don't want to sound like I'm grumbling. Like, what's he going to do? If some of us, we're like, I don't, I don't really want to pray for anything specific because either we feel like our needs aren't big enough, or we feel like God doesn't want to do what we want to do. And so if we pray for this, but God doesn't want to do it, he's going to, we're, we're going to say something wrong and he's going to like come down and he's going to give us like, uh, like hemorrhoids or something just, to, just for asking for the wrong thing. And, and so we sit on it for a while. <laughs> Y'all get it? Okay. And so, yeah, I'm losing you. Some of you, you're like, never coming back here. <laughs> they did the whole another song thing, and now he's talking about hemorrhoids. I'm out. Um, but for some of us, we've been raised thinking that God didn't want our specific prayers. That's, that's a lie. God does, want us to, God does want us to talk to him. He wants us to offer our requests. He wants us to pray that the tumor goes away. He wants us to pray that we'll get a new job. He does want us to pray for our child, that they'll feel, they'll feel a sense of security. He does want us to, to pray that the check will come. That He does want us to pray that the relationship will be prepared. He does want us to pray that, God, that he'll put somebody in our lives. He wants us to pray specifically as long as we always are more focused on the source than what we're asking for him to supply. A couple weeks ago, Riley, my four-year-old, brought home this turkey from school. He said it was a turkey, okay? When he held it up, he said, gobble, gobble, gobble. So I didn't ask any questions. I didn't, I didn't want to hurt his feelings. I didn't, like, want him to go to therapy, like, 20 years later and point back to this day. You know, sometimes as a parent, I, like, want to jot it down just to make it easier on him. Like, I screwed it up today, right? October 2nd, 2018. This is probably it. It's like I, but anyway, and so he brought his turkey home, and he's waving it, and I'm like, buddy, that's, that's really good. He's like, I want to make another turkey. I'm like, well, buddy, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what we make a turkey out of. He's like, I need some construction paper. I was like, buddy, I'm sorry, I don't have any construction paper. Now, do you think that I told him, boy, it's supper time. You got food to eat. Shut up about the construction paper. Do y'all think I really told him that? No. I went out the next day, and on my lunch, I stopped and got the boy construction paper. Because I care about 
him. I care about his individual request, no matter how small they may feel. I care, and if I can do it, and I know it's for his good, I will do it. But if he doesn't ask for construction paper, I'm never going to give him construction paper. It's the source. Consider the source. God is already working on what you're worrying about. He's already working on it. Because it didn't catch him by surprise like it caught you. So, of course, God supplies. Verse 13, that evening quail came and covered the camp. I just want to take a side note there. I did this first service. I want to take a side note there. There's quail, okay? That's meat. Meat is okay and godly, okay? Y'all, y'all got that? It's okay if you want to eat your veggies. It's okay if you don't want to eat eggs or if you want to be a pescatarian or a presbyterian, whatever it is. That's cool with me. But I just want to point out that it's okay with God if we eat meat, Okay? Continue. That has nothing to do with the subject. And this is more important. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. So now picture this. You've been wondering for a couple of months, and all of a sudden, God begins to supply this stuff that looks like cornflakes, baby powder, I don't, I, I, I don't, I, whatever this white stuff is. And so you come out of your tent one day and like it's, it's there. Like don't you think you would have kind of like tried to not step on it? Like I would have, I, I would have tried to, and, and, and then you're, don't, you're looking at where it came from. You're like, you know what I'm saying? Like are there manna plants? Like you're looking, isn't this crazy? God's supplying He's showing who he is, but he's not supplying them in the way that they would have probably preferred. Right? You pick that up? Sometimes God is the source of good, but he doesn't supply the way we always think he would. And so they they come out, there's manna. This is quite miraculous. And I read that this isn't in the Bible, so if you find something contradictory, okay, I'm, I'm not a heretic. But I read that by Jewish tradition, this manna would taste like whatever they wanted, to, whatever they were thinking like before. Amen, right? So if you want some sausage balls, when you step out in the morning, you think about sausage balls and you pick up that manna, it tastes like sausage balls. Or better yet, if you want chicken wings, buffalo chicken wings with some ranch and water, and you step out and you pick that up and, and you go to eat that, what's it gonna taste like? Buffalo chicken. Ain't that cool? Like God goes above and beyond, if that's true. I'm just saying, if that's true. God supplies their need. God supplies what we need, not always what we want. So Moses goes on to give them some instructions about how they should gather this manna. Each morning they would go out and they would get just enough for that day. And the reason they did that is because they had to trust God day by day. Give us this day our daily bread. And sometimes God still provides like that because it keeps us, us and him in, in constant communication. So, but on the Sabbath, which was the seventh day of the week, the day of rest, they would gather two days worth so they didn't have to work for it that next day. So, of course, the Israelites, much like I would have probably been in this camp, some of them don't obey and they go out and try to gather as much as possible. But they eventually kind of get this thing down 
And they pick up some manna, and the word manna literally means, what is it? Manna. What, no, what is it? It's manna. What, what is it? First service didn't get that either. Um, because that could be never ending, right? Here, you want some manna? What is it? Manna? What is it? Okay. So, watch how all this comes back full circle in verse 33. It says, so Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an armor of manna in it. Then place it before the Lord to be kept for generations to come. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna with the tablets of the covenant of the law so that it might be preserved. The Israelites ate manna 40 years. It's a good thing it tasted like whatever they wanted it to taste like. Until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. Worship is our response when we see the source. Worship is our response when we see the source. When we see the source, not for always rescuing us, but for providing for us. When we see the source, not for always healing us, but for comforting us. When we see the source, not for always giving us what we want, but giving us hope. When we see the source, not for, not for just taking away the sadness immediately, but for being the source of our joy. Worship happens, true worship happens when we see God, when we see the source, when we consider the source for who he really is. And that's where he's trying to get us to. Notice that this manna, they had to give something back to God. They would take this, they would put it in the Ark of the Covenant, which... which um, symbolized God's blessing in the Old, or God's presence in the Old Testament, so they would take this covenant ahead of them where they went because Jesus and the Holy Spirit hadn't came yet, and so they, uh, they, they didn't have that idea, and so they would take this, this covenant. But that's where they put this, but notice they gave something back. That's what worship does. When you consider the source that it's not mine anyway, when you consider the source that he knows better, when you consider the source that he's always been there for me, when you consider the source that says he's got my back, he knows my future, and I don't know my future, so I'm gonna walk to my future with the one that does. When we consider the source, we use what we have and we give it back. I heard a story about a, a dad who was a really good dad. He was a loving, loving dad. He had three kids, been married to his wife for 15 years. He was one of those dads who always took special time for each of his kids, knew, their, knew how to love those kids. He always took special time for his wife and take her out on dates. He had all these little traditions they would do at Christmas time. And one of his favorite things to do, though, was to give these, these kids and their wife gifts. So he would bring something home for his wife just because he had a good job and so he could afford it. Sometimes it didn't even have to be for anything really special, not an anniversary or anything, but he would just bring her something and say, hey, I thought about you today. For the kids, he would do the same, just kind of randomly. It wasn't just Christmas or birthdays. Dance recital, they would get a gift. And At the age of 45, he finds out he has cancer. He dies in just a few days. At the funeral, the casket's up the front, the family's gathered before they close it. And the son looks at his mom and says, I'm gonna miss dad's gifts. I'm gonna miss what he gave us. The mom kind of looks at him funny. He says, she says, are you not gonna miss your dad? It's like, no, I'm gonna miss his gifts. It's not a true story, but oftentimes it's the way we treat God. 
he wants you to be with him. He wants you to want him for him because he knows it's best for you. Consider the source. So Melissa started a new job two weeks ago. Doesn't always end like that, but it did. I, uh, I asked her permission to, to share that. And as we were talking, we were laying in the bed and we agreed that 10 years of marriage, some of you are like, I have socks older than that and that's cool, but 10 years of marriage and we've never known each other better. We've never been closer. And I was asking her, I was like, baby, do you, do you, feel anything else different I mean do you think you're you're changed and she's like as a matter of fact I journaled every day that I didn't have a job she said I've never felt closer to God she would not have gotten that had she been delivered immediately consider the source with every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment You're in here this room, uh, in this room this morning, you don't know Jesus as your Savior. He's the source of all things good, and He's the source of eternal life, and He wants to bless you. But you got to do it in, in context of relationship. That's what He's after. He's after you. So if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, just, just for a moment, just say this prayer. It's not nothing magic, it's just a confession. Say, God, I know that I've fallen short. I also know that Jesus is my source of forgiveness. So I ask you to come into my life forgive me. I know that it's not going to solve all my problems, but I know that I no longer have to walk alone through them. I give you my life. I surrender my life to you today. In Jesus' name. For the rest of us, if, if you would say this morning that, yeah, the supplies, they don't look good, or I'm going through something and I need to see God revealed, would you just raise your hand, every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a moment. There's something, this isn't just a, an embarrassment trick. It's, there's something powerful about it to admit it and to raise your hand. And there's something that triggers your memory about this as you pray for it. Let me pray for you. God, thank you that you are the source of all things good for, for every hand raised. God, for all that we've experienced this morning, we thank you as being the source. God, we thank you for who you are. Lord, I pray for every hand that was raised that you would work in their lives, God, that you would deliver yourself and not just what they want, but God, also that you would, they would see the supply, that they would see the supply because it does point to you, God, that you would walk through this with them. And God, thank you that you promised too that you'll never leave us or forsake us. God, thank you that you are the only one worthy. You're the only one worthy for us to go through this stuff with. Without you, we would be lost. You're the only one worthy. You are worthy. You're worthy to be praised. You're worthy to be honored. You're worthy to us for us to stick with and for us to give another shot because you've given us so many shots in the first place. God, thank you for who you are. Reveal yourself to us, not just in the good times, but in the shortage, in the times where the supplies seem low. Thank you for being the source, for being worthy, for being worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all go ahead and stand. Let's sing this together.
things he is to us. And you're my author, my maker, my ransom, my savior, my refuge, my hiding place. He's our help. 